Welcome to the Trinity Church Aberdeen podcast, where you can listen to our most recent sermons. To find out more about who we are and what we believe, visit trinityaberdeen.org.uk. two readings uh, this evening, and our first reading is from Isaiah chapter 66. It's on page 626, or in the large print, the blue Bibles, it's page 743. Isaiah 66, we're going to read verses 15 to 24, coming right at the end of the book. And a moment looking forward. Isaiah 66, starting at verse 15. Let's hear God's words to us. For behold, the Lord will come in fire. And his chariots like the whirlwind to render his anger and fury and his rebuke with flames of fire. For by fire will the Lord enter into judgment and by his sword with all flesh and those slain by the Lord shall be many. Those who sanctify and purify themselves to go into the gardens following one in the midst, eating pig's flesh and the abomination and mice shall come to an end together, declares the Lord. For I know their works and their thoughts, and the time is coming to gather all nations and tongues, and they shall come and see my glory, and I will set a sign among them, and from them I will send survivors to the nations, to Tarshish, Pul, and Lud, who draw the bow, to Tubal and Javan, to the coastlands far away that have not heard my fame or seen my glory. And they shall declare my glory among the nations. And they shall bring all your brothers from all the nations as an offering to the Lord on horses and in chariots and in litters and on mules and in dromedaries to my holy mountain Jerusalem, says the Lord. Just as the Israelites bring their grain offering in a clean vessel to the house of the Lord. And some of them also I'll take for priests and for Levites, says the Lord. For as the new heavens and the new earth that I make shall remain before me, says the Lord, so shall your offspring and your name remain. From new moon to new moon, from Sabbath to Sabbath, all flesh shall come to worship before me, declares the Lord. And they shall go out and look on the dead bodies of the men who have rebelled against me. For their worm shall not die, their fire shall not be quenched. And they shall be an abhorrence to all flesh. This is God's words to us. Please do turn in your Bibles to uh, to Peter chapter three. Second Peter chapter three, and we'll read the whole chapter. Uh, as Will said, my name is Ben, and it's been a real privilege to be with you last Sunday uh, and and this Sunday evening as well. Um, If I haven't uh, met you yet or we haven't spoken, please do come. Uh, Please do come and say hello at the end uh, of the service. It would be great. 
uh, it would be great uh, to meet you. It's been such an encouragement um, for us these past few years as we've been uh, living out in, in uh, the USA. We, we live in North Carolina, my wife and I and our kids as we live there. And as I've traveled uh, here these few weeks and been speaking with you all, it's been such a wonderful reminder that God is calling the nations to him that Christ is building his church across the world. It's a wonderful encouragement to see that as we're part of a church family, just like this one in North Carolina, as I worship with you, as I get to speak with many of you uh, after uh, the service. Even this morning, it's so encouraging to meet people from, uh, from the nations throughout the world, from Africa, from, uh, from Asia, uh, from uh, the Far East, from that far-flung country they call Northern Ireland. It, it's been wonderful to, to meet people from the nations and Friends, I hope uh, I can encourage you, even just now as we come to, to God's Word, to be encouraged by that. Christ is working right across this world, calling the nations to Him. And I think that's a real encouragement to us. In these days, in these days in the West that can feel uh, isolating at times, can be hard at times, uh, God is working. Uh, there's evidence of that here this evening. Uh, I see evidence of it as I, as I travel a little. Uh, and friends, I would encourage you with that uh, this evening. 2 Peter chapter 3. This is now the second letter that I'm writing to you, beloved. In both of them, I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior through your apostles, knowing this, first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. They will say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. For they deliberately overlook this fact, that the heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God. And that by means of these, uh, the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. But by the same word, the heavens and earth that now exist are stored up, for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in uh, lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God? Because, which, uh, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt uh, as they burn. But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace, and count the patience of our Lord uh, as salvation just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him, as he does in all his letters when he speaks of them in these matters. There are some things in them that are hard to understand, 
which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction, as they do the other scriptures. You, therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you're not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. What would you say is one of the hardest things that we have to do as people, no no matter our age, no matter our stage, what what would you say is one of the hardest things we have to do as people that, that we would all have in common? Perhaps to that question, we might answer something like suffering, pain. That is certainly something very hard that all of us at different stages of our lives will have had to endure in different ways. Perhaps we might say something like growing old or growing older, although maybe I have to be careful how much we push that one. Maybe growing old is, is, it is a blessing in many ways, but I guess it maybe comes with its uh, challenges too, but I'd maybe best not press that too hard. I would think that one of the things that we all have to do, that we all face, that, that is hard uh, in our lives, no matter our age here this evening, from the youngest to the oldest, all the way through, is to wait, is waiting it's common to us all and it's difficult whether it's for something good or something bad think of good things waiting to go on holiday i'm I'm waiting for my birthday i can't wait for the chocolate cake that i'm going to have for my birthday waiting for graduation waiting to see friends but also we do have to wait sometimes for things we're not looking forward to or painful things like waiting for test results, whether it's an exam or or something, a medical examination, waiting for test results from the doctor or from a teacher, waiting to hear if we got the job. Don't those minutes after you leave the interview and you wait for the phone call, we'll phone you in a day. They feel like some of the longest moments that we have. It's hard. Or what about waiting uh, waiting to be married or or waiting to have children or, or waiting for Ben to crack on with the sermon and get to the point. Waiting can be hard. No, no matter our age here this evening, we all have to wait. And if chapter 3 of Second Peter could be summed up in one word, it would be wait. Jesus is coming and we are waiting on him. Everyone that has ever lived, is living and will live, is waiting on him. The whole cosmos is waiting on him. And we can see it, can't we? We see creation groaning as it waits on him. We're, we're waiting for the end to the conflict in Ukraine. Think what it was like. Think back a few months waiting for the end of lockdown. Oh, how we waited, waited to be back in church. We're waiting and ultimately everyone, this whole world is waiting for Jesus to come back. And Jesus is coming. The day of the Lord is coming. That, that's what Peter calls it. If you look in verse uh, chapter 3, verse 10, chapter 3, verse 10, what does Peter say? The day of the Lord will come. Jesus is coming. Do you remember this uh, whole letter? One of the main themes right through it is they're scoffers, they're mockers, and they're there in chapter 3, verse 4, and they're saying Jesus isn't coming. Where is the promise of his coming? For ever since fathers, uh, the fathers fell asleep, things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. That is, people lived and people died. People went to Tesco's people, today, people go to Tesco's tomorrow. It's just the same. 
And Peter writes to say, no. Chapter 3, verse 10, the day of the Lord will come, and we're waiting for it. Just look how he mentions that. Chapter 3, verse 12, what's the first word there? We are waiting. Chapter 3, at verse 13, but according to his promise, we are waiting. Chapter 3, verse 14, therefore, beloved, since you are waiting, we are waiting for the day of the Lord. And here in this second letter, as Peter tells us it is at the start there, he wants to remind us what waiting looks like. What does waiting look like for Christians, for believers, as we wait on that day? Because it's hard. Think about it. Think about it. Think about children in cars. It's like some grand conspiracy all across the world. Somehow they communicate, don't they? They know when we're going on an eight-hour journey, and you get in the car, and you get to the bottom of the road, and they always say, are we there yet? Are we there yet? You've got ages to go. They never ask it, but on those days of long journeys, they turn around, are we there yet? We had a a few summers ago, we were going a 10-hour drive. We just had literally turned the car in our drive. We're at the bottom, not even on the road. The kids, are we there yet? How much longer? How long do we have to wait, right? We are waiting, and waiting is hard. Waiting for Jesus in a fallen and sinful world is hard. Think of these Christians. Nero is the emperor of Rome. Persecution is rising. Peter's about to die. The apostles are being martyred. And for them, it's only 30, 35 years since Jesus' ascension and seating at the right hand of the Father. Today, 2,000 years has passed. We are waiting. We're waiting for the one who will come to judge the living and the dead. And Peter wants to encourage them. He wants to encourage them and said, here's how we wait. And so there's three things for us this evening. Three things that he helps to show us how we are to wait. There's three things. And the first one in verses 1 to 3 is that we are to expect scoffers. In this time of waiting, we are to expect scoffers. Look at verses 3 and 4. We just read it. Knowing this, first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. We know that scoffers will come because the Bible tells us so. And so what Peter wants to do is to plant our feet on the solid rock of the Bible and says, yes, scoffers will come. And they're going to come and say, where is your God? I can't see him. Judgment for wrong. The world will burn up. You've got to be kidding me. The sun rose yesterday. It's set tonight. It will rise again tomorrow. And he says, when people come scoffing and mocking us for our faith, we're not to be surprised. We're not to be surprised when that happens. For God's word tells us that it will. It reminds me uh, of Pilgrim's uh, Progress. I mentioned that this morning. We're trying to read it a little with the kids. Uh, John Bunyan's famous work, Pilgrim's Progress. If if you haven't read it, I'd really recommend it uh, to you. And, And the main character in Pilgrim's Progress is Christian. And Christian is on a journey from the city of destruction to the celestial city. And and on that way, he meets lots of people as he goes. And Bunyan's brilliant with with all of the names. And and on the way, he meets Mr. Worldly Wise Man. Mr. Worldly Wise Man. And I'd love to read you the whole whole thing. but, But this is part of what Mr. Worldly Wise Man says to Christian. He scoffs at him. Listen to what Bunyan writes. Bunyan writes this as Mr. Worldly Wise Man speaking. He says, curse evangelist, curse the man who has sent you Christian on this way. There is not a more dangerous and troublesome way in the world than into this which he has directed you. You, Christian, have fallen into crazy thoughts. 
Bunyan wrote that, what, 400 years ago? We we hear the same thing today. Peter in his day says we're going to hear the same thing. Christians are scoffed. They're mocked at. And Peter here wants to say, no, don't listen. Don't turn around. Keep walking. Stand on firm ground. Thankfully, Christian just after that meets evangelist and evangelist sets him back on the right road. So friends, when you meet scoffers, why are you so involved in church? Why do you spend time reading your Bible? Why are you teaching these things to your children? Do you really believe that Jesus died and rose again and is coming? Do not be surprised. The scriptures tell us it will happen. Don't be surprised. But we can be saddened. We can be heartbroken. For, for often, these things come, I don't know about you, but, it, but in my life, certainly, these things come from people who think that they, they mean well. Sons, daughters, parents, friends, colleagues, neighbors. Okay, go, go to church, but do you really have to take it so seriously? Don't be surprised that it makes the feet, uh, the ground underneath you shake. Don't be surprised, but let it break your heart. Pray for these people. Pray for these people, but don't let it take you from the path that Christ has before you. Remember, that's Peter's aim. Look at chapter 317. Chapter 317, with all this false teaching, what does Peter want? He says, you therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care you're not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your stability. The danger for these Christians when they're mocked and scoffed at that is that they, they cover inside and they come off the road. And he says, don't let it do that for you because it is what happens. It can be confusing. I, I was coming through the airport as I traveled here in Heathrow. You know, you land back. I hadn't been in the country for three years, and I was really excited. I thought there was going to be some person at the passport office, and they're going to say to me, you know, welcome home, you know, and it's just a machine now, and you just kind of beep it, and you just walk through, and you're like, oh, okay, but, but you arrive, and you come through, and there's one person over here, and they're saying, okay, sir, just head this way, and then there's someone else over here and they're saying, no, come on, sir, it's actually this way. And you kind of, where, where do I go? And, and it's like that with our faith. We hear voices all around us, books, podcasts, Twitter, and, and, and anything that's going to take us away from Christ. Peter here is saying, no, scoffers will come. Be prepared for it. Don't let it shake you. Don't let it shake you. And what is it that leads people to do that anyway? Peter tells us, why do these scoffers scoff? Why is it they do it? He tells us in verse 5, they scoff because they deliberately overlook this fact that the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed of water and through water by the word of God. And that by means of these, the world that existed then was deluged with water and perished. What's he talking about? He's talking about creation and he's talking about Noah. And he's saying, ultimately, scoffers scoff because they ignore the word of God. They ignore the word of God that tells us that God made the world. There's a creator. And that God brought judgment to the world in Noah. We thought a lot about that this morning, didn't we? That in Noah's day, the world was destroyed by water. It rained and rained. It rained. And God says, no, they ignore it. And they ignore it at their peril. Verse 7, because... It was water in that day, but what is going to happen in our day? What's going to happen when Jesus comes? The heavens and earth that now exist are being stored up for fire. Fire will fall. God judged the world before in water, and he's coming again to judge the water in fire. We saw that in Isaiah, didn't we? Judgment on the ungodly, but safety for 
the righteous. Those in Christ are safe. That's what we saw this morning, and Peter reminds us that here as well. So when scoffers come, do not, do not lose your stability. Expect scoffers, and keep your feet firmly planted on God's word. Second thing, so the first thing, as we wait, we are to give thank, uh, we are to expect scoffers. The second thing he gives us in verses 8 to 10 then, is we are to give thanks for the Lord's patience and mercy. As we wait for that day, we're to wait giving thanks for the Lord's patience and mercy, verses 8 to 10. In in, in verses 8 to 10 then, giving thanks for the Lord's patience, this is the answer to the question of why are we waiting? Why are we waiting? Why has Jesus not come back yet? Why had he not come back in their day? Why had he not come, why has he not come back in this day? And the answer is beautiful. It's wonderful. He gives us a wonderful answer here, Peter. Why has Jesus not returned? Verse 9, because the Lord is patient. He's patient. Jesus has not come back because the Lord is patient. He's patient towards you, wishing that none should perish. If you flick over to verse uh, verse 15, uh, Peter, Peter says the same thing, and count the patience of our Lord as salvation. You think, you think, we, you see, we look at time, we look at time and think it feels really slow. It looks slow, and Peter wants to say to us, no, no. He says, the Lord is not slow, verse 9, to fulfill his promise, as we count slow, slowness, but he is patient, wishing that all uh, would come to him. It's a, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing as we look at the Lord and how he sees time. For what does Peter tell us? Do not overlook this fact that with the Lord, one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. God is not slow, he's patient. The the Bible only ever describes God as slow in one area or one aspect. And, And do you know what that is? The Lord is only ever described as being slow to anger. He's only ever described as being slow to anger but he is not slow in returning. No, no, he is not slow. He is patient, wanting people to come to him. Here's what Augustine says about how God looks at time. This is Augustine in his confessions, the great church father, and he says this, speaking to God, God, your years neither come or go, but our years both come and go. Your departing years are not thrust out by coming years. They do not pass away. Your years are one day, and your day is not daily, but today. It's beautiful, isn't it? Your years neither come and go, whereas ours both come and go. Time for God is not like time for us. Fire has not fallen. All has not been burnt up. Jesus has not come because the Lord is patient. He's merciful, as people call him to repentance. It's beautiful. I I think of my own heart often as as a parent, and how often you turn to impatience and how often you're so quick to anger. I am so quick to anger and turn to impatience with, with, with my own children and people you know as they want them to do things. But the Lord, the holy God, the creator of this world, looks on his sinful, broken world and said, I will be patient with you, patient as I want people to come to us. It's a beautiful thing to remember before our God. He is patient. Now, this means a, a whole range of things for us. It can make, mean a whole range of things. Firstly, it, it can be hard. 
It can be hard. We've just discussed there's, there's mocking, there's persecution, there's suffering. At this time, Rome is tightening her iron fist around the necks of Christians. So the cry, the necks of Christians, so the cry of, come Lord Jesus, will be getting louder and louder. And so we hold that, but yet we rejoice, don't we? We rejoice, we give thanks. For I'm sure all of us in this room know people who do not yet follow Jesus. In fact, perhaps it's some of our closest family, husbands, wives, children, parents, work colleagues, uh, neighbors. And today is a day of the Lord's patience and mercy and salvation. And that is a beautiful, beautiful thing for us to remember. I heard one kind of commentator describe it like this. He he used this illustration. All illustrations have have their limits, but I think it's a nice one. Think of a summer bus tour. I've seen some around Aberdeen these last few days up in old Aberdeen. Think of a summer bus tour. And a driver calls everyone back to the bus, but only some come. Only some come. And so what does the driver do? Does he get in and drive off with the bus half full, uh, only half full or, or half empty? No, he waits. He waits, he has compassion, he has mercy, and he sends some people back out from the bus, some of the tourists, to go and get everyone else and says, come in, it's time for us to leave. He doesn't want any to be left behind. And so friends, let that encourage you this evening that God is merciful and mighty to save. Today is a day of patience. God is not finished with you, and he's not finished with those that you love in your life that don't know him yet. He isn't, and we know that if they're alive and Jesus hasn't, come. He's not finished. Today is a day of salvation. Let that be a great encouragement to you as the Lord is patient with us. But let it also spur us on in our evangelism, in our sending of missionaries, even among hardships and suffering for God's people. Today is a day of mercy, and we want to send people out into this world, don't we, to spur them on. He has not come, so come to the Lord now. And our message to them is come, get inside the ark that is Christ. Come, repent and believe. For although we rejoice in God's mercy, it should not be despised. And that's verse 10. For the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and the heavens will pass up and pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth uh, and the works that are done will be exposed. We should not despise God's mercy, for he will come like a thief. The the shock of a thief is its suddenness, isn't it? It's unexpected. Jesus says the same, uses the same metaphor, illustrations in the gospel. Paul uses the same in 1 Thessalonians 5. A a, a thief, quickly at the end, to, to lean on our last illustration, it's like the driver of the bus will eventually say, okay, enough. Whoever's on the bus, we're leaving now. Christ will come and it will be sudden, so we do not despise his mercy. If you are here this evening and you do not know Jesus, today is the day to come to him. The suddenness will be like nothing we've experienced. Maybe some of you here have have experienced these things before. It was a new experience for me the first time in North Carolina that we had a tornado. It was February 2020, uh, and I had, it was lunchtime, and I'd just been out for a run, the, the athlete that I am, and I'd just been out for a run, and as I came back from the run, it was a beautiful day, it was really sunny, just as I stepped inside, a few clouds came over, and the clouds came over, uh, and I quickly kind of got changed and stepped out, and with, within 10 minutes, there was a darkness over the house that I had never 
ever experienced before. I can't tell you just how ominous and dark it was. And it went from a little bit of a, a little things blowing across the yard or whatever, some leaves twitching, to all of a sudden things were blowing right across our yard. All the soccer balls, all of the whatever else the kids had outside, it's all being blown over. And the wind gets right up and then your phones start going bananas. So you get these tornado warnings and it all beeps on your phone and your phone's going bananas. Then it went even more bananas because it kind of warns you that there could be a tornado. Then it goes even more bananas and it reads tornado has like touched down. It's landed. Get to safety. Get inside. And the tornado came through about a mile from us. It went through some houses. It, it went uh, across the top of our church in, in North Carolina and did some damage. But the thing that was amazing about it all to watch, if that's the right word, was the speed of it. Because then within another five, ten minutes, the, the sun came back out. And apart from the trees that were down and everything on the ground, you, you wouldn't have known uh, that it had been there. And so the Lord will come like that, like a thief in the night, like a tornado, like a, something coming through out of nowhere. So do not despise the Lord's mercy. He will come. Even if it feels slow to us, he'll come. Do you see it? Paul, uh, sorry, Peter uses the word will there four times to assure us. Look at verse 10. The day of the Lord will come like a thief, and the heavens and earth will pass away, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up. And it will all will be exposed there at the end of verse 10. Will, will, will. It is a sure thing. Last week, we used the illustration of diaries, didn't we? We said this letter was like getting out your, your diary or getting out the, the diary, the, the iCal, the Google Cal, the, the filofax of the earth. And all of us in our diaries, in the earth's diary, is the day of the Lord, the, la- the day Jesus will come. And it's more sure than anything. So do not despise his mercy. Come to Christ today. Today is a day of patience. Let it encourage you, but let it also bring you to Jesus. Expect scoffers. Give thanks for the Lord's patience and mercy. And then lastly, uh, how do we wait? How are we to wait? We are uh, to grow uh, in godliness. Just look at me. Uh, look with me from verses 11 to the end. What, what does he say here? Very clearly, since all things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness? Holiness and godliness. Peter says the same in verse 14. Therefore, beloved, since you're waiting for these things, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish. That's holiness language. Be holy and be at peace. And then even at verse 18, right at the end, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus. If you were here last Sunday morning, or if you look at the start of the letter at chapter 1, you'll see we're actually back to where we started. We've come full circle. Chapter 1 is all about pursuing holiness, growing in godliness. And here we are again. We wait by growing in godliness it's a wonderful thing. We're, we're to be active in this time. I, I, I don't know about you, but when I think about waiting, I, I often think really about doing nothing. I, the, the places I often think of waiting, one are, are doctors, like GPs, waiting rooms. You sit and wait, and, and certainly you used to just sit and read sort of 25-year-old National Geographic magazines that were all really dog-eared. Um, probably now with COVID, there's probably nothing even there to read, so you just kind of got to wait, right? Or waiting at an airport last uh, Saturday, I had eight hours to to wait. And often when you see people waiting, we just kind of sit there. Time just ticks away slowly. 
But no, Peter says for the Christian, it, it's different. It's different for us. We're pursuing things. We're, we're doing things. We're growing in godliness. That's how we're to wait. The day of the Lord is coming, and we're to get ready of it. We're to be productive, if I can put it that way, as we wait in the doctor's waiting room. We are to be uh, productive. We are to pursue uh, growing in Christ as we wait for that day. So to the godly, he says, to the people who know their God, he says, grow in godliness. To those who don't know Jesus, here Peter's saying, repent. But to the Christian, he said, come like Jesus. And he wants us to grow in godliness because heaven is holy. Did you see that there? That that's what we're waiting for. Look at the end of verse 13. Look at verse 13. But according to his promise, we're waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. In which righteousness dwells. We are to grow in holiness because heaven is holy. We're to grow in righteousness because heaven is a world of righteousness. We're to grow more like the Lord Jesus because in heaven everything will bear his likeness perfectly, perfectly. And so, friends, as we begin to, to, to draw this point to a close, let, let me remind you that the goal of redemption isn't just release from judgment. It's not just safety from judgment, but it's friendship with God. It's friendship with God. Remember God's great covenant promise that he makes right the way through the Bible. God's great covenant promises, I will be your God and you will be my people. Once Adam and Eve are sent out of Eden, that is what God is pursuing right through the Bible. And it will be finally and fully completed when the new heavens and the new earth come. I will be your God and you will be my people. It's not about just getting out of the flood, to put it that way, out of the fire to come. It is relationship with God. It's delighting in Christ our Savior and wanting to be like him as we wait, as we wait. And so I want to put this to you then as we think about growing in godliness, for that is what Peter says here, since the world is to be dissolved or to live holiness and godliness. But I would like to put that in terms to you this evening, in terms of our motivation as having Christ before our eyes. We want to think about heaven and the world to come and the joy that fills our minds as we think about it because Christ is there. And so let me use these words of John Piper to to challenge us, encourage us, make us think about that this evening. John Piper says this, if you could have heaven, and as you think about heaven, what do you think of? Piper says this, if you could have heaven with no sickness and with all the friends you've ever made and all the food you've ever liked and all the leisure activities you've ever enjoyed and all the natural beauties you ever saw and all the physical pleasures you've ever tasted and no human conflict or disaster, and maybe in Aberdeen, we should say, with all the rowies you could ever eat, if you could have heaven with all those things, could you be satisfied with heaven if Christ was not there? Could you be satisfied with heaven if Christ was not there? If, if you could have heaven with no sickness and all the friends you've made and all the food you like and all the leisure activities you enjoy and all the natural beauties you saw and all the pleasures, physical pleasures you've tasted and no human conflict or disaster, could you be satisfied with heaven if Christ was not there. I said at the beginning, I said at the start, waiting is hard. It's hard as we wait for marriage. It's hard as we wait for 
children. It's hard when the pain in my back just won't go away. And when Christ comes and makes all things new, there will be a world where all wrongs are righted. A world where there's no uh, no pain and there's no tears and suffering and sorrow. And I hope, dear friends, that is a great source of delight and joy for all of us. And yet, ultimately, even that is not our goal. We're waiting for Christ, for Jesus, to be in heaven, a world of righteousness with our eyes on the Lamb, who's the great Savior of the world. It is Jesus himself and being with him in glory forever. That should be our motivation to, uh, to grow in godliness and holiness. As I trust it would be for any bride preparing for her wedding day, that the motivation is our husband, to see him, to have him. And the church is the bride of Christ getting ready to meet her husband, to meet the bridegroom. The church is getting ready to see Christ face to face. No bride slumbers and is slothful on the day of her wedding. They get ready. All is being get ready to meet her husband. And so, friends, we want to grow and be fitted for heaven because Christ is there, because Christ is there. And he is bringing a world of perfect righteousness and holiness. And we want to be motivated for that. Peter isn't motivating us from fear. He says we're waiting for the veil of this world to be lifted, a new heavens and a new earth, for the fog to dissolve, to rise and enter, all as God finally will make it to be. And so in our hope of meeting Christ, in our hope of meeting Christ, we're not merely waiting for the world to end No, that's a secular view. There's many religions even in this world that would hold that view. No, we're not merely waiting for the world to end. We're not waiting for it to end. We're not waiting for the curtain to fall. As C.S. Lewis notes in The Great Divorce, often we're not waiting for things to go blurry. We're waiting for things to be more solid, more real. We're waiting for the curtain to lift. One commentator says this, we're waiting to walk onto a stage more glorious and real and grand than anything on earth. That is what Peter is describing for us here. We're heading to the promised land. We're heading to Eden, to the new Eden, to the new Jerusalem. We're waiting to see. I I said this morning, this past week, I climbed Loch Nagar with our minister, David Gibson. Got to the top and we couldn't see anything. There was cloud there. And this world we live in now, believe it or not, is like that. It's like being at the top of the mountain and not seeing. And one day when Jesus comes and everything burns up, these heavenly bodies will be dissolved. It will be like all the cloud being blown away. And we can see truly as we were made to see as we behold the face of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now these verses, as you read them, certainly raise the question, well, what will happen on that day? We've thought about why we're waiting. We've thought about the delay because God is patient. But but what will that day be like? What do these words mean when we're saying that fire is being stored up? When we say that heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved? When things will be exposed? What does that mean? What will that day be like? It raises lots of questions. Will it be like a kind of Death Star zap that you get in Star Wars and all's kind of made new? What will it be like? Well, ultimately, 
it's very hard to say. It's very hard to say. We, we just don't know quite what that, world, uh, that day will be like. There will certainly be a sense of continuity and there will be a sense of discontinuity. We know from the scriptures there'll be a sense of continuity because after Jesus was resurrected, who's the first fruits of the resurrection, people saw him and they recognized him. He, he had a body. They, they recognized that. But his body could do things that it couldn't before. He, he appeared in a room and he couldn't do that before. Think about it in some way, perhaps, in terms of the flood. When the flood waters fell, there was some things that would be the same, that the animals, the people in the boat. And yet on that day, everything else in the world was destroyed. And Jesus' return will bring something like that. So what will that day be like? Ultimately, we don't know, but we know that we know that the risen, reigning Christ will return. He will take the godly to be with him. He will judge the unrighteous forever. But friends, be encouraged by this. Know this. We are not waiting on the end of all things, but we are waiting on the beginning. We're waiting on the beginning, the new heavens and the new earth where Christ reigns, where God and his people are together in the eternal city where there is no more sin, world made new, world without end. Just turn over to Revelation 21. I know you just studied Revelation recently, but these words bear reading for us. Revelation 21. What does John write in verse 1? He says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain, for the former things have passed away. It is not the end, but it is the beginning. The beginning of God with his people forever, and his people with him forever. And a world where all things will be made new, every tear wiped away, all suffering ended ended and death will be no more friends jesus is coming some of us will fall asleep in the lord before then some of us will die but jesus is coming so as we wait let us not tarry let us not slumber but let us look to christ and look to that day where the curtain will be lifted and we will see christ face to face so as you wait we expect scoffers we give thanks for the patience and mercy of god and we give thanks for God's grace as we seek to grow in holiness. To our coming Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, then as we think of him coming, be the glory both now and evermore. Amen.